Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. I'm going to call an audible. I feel like doing a big three today, not a big four. So we're going to start at number three. Okay, come on. Demond's here with us. He's running the show, so hopefully he he got that, and we're going to start with three, but we'll see. You never know. The old days, we used to just have, you know, we'd have to keep hitting the same number over again because Adam wouldn't move on. Um, I'm not ready to move on. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. There were very breaking developments there during the break. Uh, but first of all, I think this is, a, this is a discussion or a possible bet that we need to follow through on. Which... Which sport, MLB or the NBA, is here in their stadium slash arena first? And then you brought up a bunch of complications like LeBron's. If it's LeBron's NBA team, it may be delayed because of his playing career, but then they also may bend the rules so he can basically walk out of the NBA and the team's ready to go. I guess my whole point was I think think there's more complications in baseball getting the A's here and the construction of that stadium versus an arena, which I feel like will be fast-tracked and can be built more quickly. And the NBA, I think the NBA already has the plans behind the scenes, ready to go. While baseball, some of them are in, but not all of them are in on the A's moving here. Yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, I mean the the complicating fact, complicating factor. Is, I mean, several of them, but of course, it's their own building because I, I I do think it's it is possible that the NBA plans to go to T-Mobile um, to start or for good. No, for good. Really? I, I mean, it's done. It's there. It was built. It literally has lock, is, an NBA locker room. Is there an it. agreement though? And no. Will Silver and the owners look at it like, hey, they can get their own arena. You know, down by the uh, South Outlet Mall. I'm sure they want their own arena. It, it makes. Is there going to be something legal? Little to zero sense to build a new arena. We, I think we were trying to go through this the other day. There was there 12 arenas of over 8,000 seats. Like it makes little to no sense. But I, I'm sure they want their own arena that they can make it happen. But they also have there is that possibility of saying, hey, look. This arena's done, was built for two sports, has the locker room in place, let's go. Like, there is that possibility, and it's on the Strip. I'm sure that's a that's very favorable mm, to them as well. That's an advantage. Like, it, there, there's a lot of reasons that it could happen. I, I think it's it's not the most likely scenario, but I don't think it's outlandish to think that their plan would be to come to T-Mobile permanently. Isn't this the project of Bedane to get this building done? Sure. And you think he's going to back down? And also the – Former Wen Wild site. There's there's a plan there for an NBA wow. arena. Uh, there's many NBA arena plans. Would would we commit Vegas lunacy if things didn't work out south? Bedane and company are like, you know what? We like that Wet and Wild site. Let's have twenty thousand seat arenas across the highway from each other. Wait, what else is there? Sphere, you're saying it's not it's not right there. No, no. The the where the Wet and Wild is, we were talking about building that pedestrian bridge right from T-Mobile over to a baseball stadium. Wet and Wild is way north though. I wasn't talking about Wet and Wild. I was talking. Oh. I, I just I said, did I say Wet and Wild? Yeah, I think I reached out Wild Wild West. Oh, okay. oh, Wild, Wild, Wild West. Site. Wet and Wild. Wild oh, the Wild Wild, Wild, Wild West, West site. Yeah, wouldn't that be, that be dynamite? I would love it. Two twenty thousand. I would love it. It would be great. We've lost control. And put a put a ballpark district in, and just call it a ballpark district, just to really rub it in the face of the A's. Like, hey, remember they wanted this? <laughs> Here it is. Um, a lot of arenas we're talking about because we we need new arenas. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> um, I was reading a story today in Nevada Sportsnet. We'll get to this later in the hour for the Reno audience. Chris Murray is questioning whether the Marulo 10,000-seat arena off the uh, Grand Sierra Resort is actually built. Hmm. But I, I'm, I don't know enough about stadium and arena 
proposals and history in Reno, but maybe they have a lot of battle scars like like us, and they're just very leery of it if it's actually going to get done. Because we've been through this a lot. I was hoping it was. I'm looking forward to going up there and seeing it. Are you serious? Sure. Don't don't trail. Damon's making a trip. He's fired it's, up. It's 404. I'm definitely looking forward to going to Reno. Oh, <laughs> stop! I, I got I got it right away. I was like, is that a highway? Oh, okay. <laughs> The time is 4.04. Okay, sure. big, big three time, four, whatever we're calling it. We'll make adjustments. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. Number three. Yeah, all right. Perfectly executed, kind of. Okay. All right, I've been very pro-JJ Redick, so I don't want to overreact to this, but I want to get your reaction to... Uh, J.J. Reddick's on a game, right? And he's moving off a of first take, we think, for, for the most part. He'll probably do what? some. He, I know he's doing games, right? Uh, so they're doing the, the pregame, and they got a list of best duos, and he does this. There's some notable duos that'll be around this year. Our producer, John, is in my ear trying to get me to name the best duo. Sell it, sell I'm not it. doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting, <laughs> This isn't first take, guys. This is an NBA game. I'm not doing it today. All right, what do we? What just happened there? Is that a joke or was that insubordination? Uh, I mean, I think he's trying to be funny. I like it. I'm sure they don't. You think that was real? I think it was real. I, he didn't want to do it, but if the longer the game goes on, he he actually does do it. I think he he's like, I'm not going to answer it. It's October. It's October eighth. I'm not going to do this. I'm not on first. I'm not first take. Yeah. I mean, he's gone on record. Uh, he's actually said it on first take, and that definitely in his podcast that he thinks the show is kind of stupid. Yeah, well, he's right. He doesn't want to make an enemy out of Stephen A., okay? He can get away with it taking his shots at Mad Dog, but he better watch his back. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so was he being insubordinate, or is he actually a pillar of hope that we get away from Embrace Debate? Let's, let's go with pillar of hope for now. Insubordinate, making producer, what was his name, John, look bad, or... Making the poor producer who's just trying to do his job look bad on national television. Well, producers all look bad on their own accord. Yeah. Oh, that was another yeah, sneaky another shot, shot at you shot this time. On. Yeah, of course. All right, number two. Yeah. Number two. I'm not sure if that had more life. So the rivalry's, uh, it's here. Battle for the cannon. You are into this as a UNLV guy? I mean, I know you're into. I know you're into bashing Reno. <laughs> we're gonna speak. Which we're, is, we're, no, this week. This week, you, four o'clock This hour. week, you do whatever you want because they're gonna do whatever they want. Sure. It's funny. I was getting a history, a rundown of some of the most infamous incidents. It's been pretty crazy. A lot of uh, well, the John Robinson era had some uh, some real. Do you rem- fireworks? Do you remember the, what happened to John Robinson? You remember the the worst incident? Uh, didn't he get a bottle thrown at him? He got a bottle thrown yeah. at him at his head. Yeah. So have yeah. media people over mm-hmm. the years. Who? Uh, Cassie oh, got hit. She got hit. She got hit the fight year, right? The yeah. 2009. Uh-huh. By the way, the 2019 fight year, because there is a fight from the 90s that is starting to make the rounds, which puts the 2019 fight yeah. to shame. Yeah, it's a good fight. Because ready for this one? This is this will grow in legend as the years move along. I was in the 2019 fight. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Were you like Jeff Van Gundy in it? or? I think he was filming. Okay. <laughs> I actually, I actually was, and the, but I, I waddled into the scene, and then I quickly realized like this is real. I'm big from a width standpoint, but I'm not football player 
big. We were just a barricade. I don't know what I was trying. I really, I walked in and I was like, okay, this is pretty crazy. I'm going to walk towards danger. And then I started sizing people up and everyone's gigantic and they don't, they don't, I mean, I think I had a UNLV hat on, um, but I could have got punched in the face by a Reno Quick, player. Quickly, but. quickly threw your UNLV hat to the side. You're going to size somebody up you're looking around? Well, well, looking for somebody in a Reno hat? I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot that went on, but uh, five years from now, I'll talk about punching different players and, you know. I choked, out. I, ch- I, ch- I choked out of someone on the Wolfpack. I dare a fight to break out while I'm up there. <laughs> I went, um, okay, I'm going to warn you right now. Tread lightly. Yeah. Tread lightly. This is no joke. This is no joke. And Because here's the thing. And I'll, by, by the way, some breaking news. They've changed the sidelines. So now the biggest part of the stands for the Wolfpack, which is on the press box side, Wolfpack have moved to the other side. So now most of the fans... And then there's end zone seating, and those are the, they're really aggressive. But on the press box side, that's going to be all Wolfpack fans now, right behind UNLV. Well, eventually, when you know they have fans again, um, now they're expecting. <laughs> sure, they're expecting north of. This is not a great crowd, but they're still expecting north of about twenty thousand. Sure. And I think the, we'll the the hardcores that were there in 2019, they will be there. We'll see. Uh, we'll this is this a. Guy. This is a major week for you folks up in Reno, and thanks for listening. Uh, big week for them. Huge. Massive. It's another football game for people down here. It's, it's not. It is. No, it's not. You they say try to year. sell it in the program. They try no, to no, make no. it a big deal. And it will be on Saturday. It's a big deal to win the game. But like 365 days a year is UNLV week there. One day a year is the game against. I talked to Tiger Shanks, who was he's a very laid back guy. But he knows how important this rivalry is. We got into it for a uh, few minutes today, and I actually opened up uh, just asking about his health. You know, the O-line to get beat up, but his health uh, early here after a bye five games in. Yeah, I'm doing great, honestly. Um, From this point last season, I definitely feel like I have my body back way more. Um, Like Coach Odom was saying, the bye week couldn't have came at a better time, I think, for our program. So, yeah, I feel ready to go for sure. So this is a real interesting uh, timing for the bye week because you come off a rivalry game against Hawaii. You guys were all fired up. By the way, did you make it down to the trophy? when the? Because I saw a shot on social media where the whole team's running down. Were you in that mass that was trying to run down to the trophy after so. the game? I think so. I think so, yeah. They were running to go get it. I think I caught them on the way back. <laughs> okay. What does that game mean to you? What does the Hawaii game mean to you? It uh, means a lot, honestly, because we have so many um, of guys from the islands on our team, you know, just and coaches too. Um, Coach Logo, I mean, obviously, he gave a speech, I remember, at the beginning of the week, um, Hawaii week, and that that really fired us up. He was he wanted that trophy badge. Okay. So. What kind of motivational speaker is Coach Logo? Is he a guy who's cussing a bunch, or do you go into the history, or what's the deal? He went into the history yeah. more, I would say, uh, but he definitely got a little bit fired up. Yeah. You know, just, you know, I want that trophy. I want that pineapple. Um, it means a lot to the guys from the islands, you can tell. So Tiger Shanks is with us. So you got a, a roster here of like 50 plus new players. Um, you got a lot of holdovers. You're one of the holdovers. You've been in a bunch of these games against Reno. Um, I'm sure the coaches have talked about the importance of this and the rivalry. Um, are there players who've, who've stepped up to tell the new guys like the, like the Hawaii game meant a lot. This one is mean and nasty and it means a lot. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, like you said, the older guys, Trig, just – kind of really informing everyone like because I mean even our coaching staff doesn't really know the magnitude of this rivalry so 
just informing guys, you know, letting them know this is a big-time game. I don't care, you know, how much favored we are. You can't take them lightly because everyone knows rivalry games are just different, you know. They're just different. So just a lot of intensity when it comes to that. Tiger Shanks, starting right tackle for UNLV. He's played at a bunch of these. And fact is, a lot of the UNLV players have not played in this rivalry yet. So, But I, I get the sense over the last uh, eight, nine days that coaches and players have been spreading the message. Like you said, uh, Amani Trigg-Wright, who's uh, one of the guards, the right guard, has been here forever. So he knows a lot about it. And he also knows when things don't go right and you lose badly, I'm into this stuff. I don't know if Adam is anymore. I still am a sports fan. I don't like losing the rivals as a fan. So no. as a player, it's freaking demoralizing losing, when, you, yeah, get, when losing, you get crushed or pounded. Sure, losing every game sucks. Losing, losing this game would be particularly devastating. Embarrassing. For you. It would be embarrassing. They're on a 15-game They're not game playing a streak. real football team. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, they're, they're playing a bunch of angry people who hate the fact that we have a great life down here. And Damon, you're going into the Valley of the Beast. Rivalry week. Yeah, so uh, all you Reno fans, uh, you know, whoever's going to show up, make sure to tailgate so I can get some content. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm going. What's your goal? What's the goal of your content? Just to see who's going to be out there, you know, talk pregame, maybe postgame as well. Okay. You know, see who's going to be there. All right. Look, uh, when I'm going you to go, be an agitator. By the way, it's not a, like a, not a guaranteed win for you. Not at all. They're, they're, it's nobody's saying that. If you come back like Reno won. You said that no. They're, they're, Definitely a chance that UNLV doesn't win this game. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Doing, we have to get that audio. DJT banging on the Patriots. Okay, that'll be uh, well. That'll be in the lead up to the game coming up this week. By the way, end of this hour, we're going to talk to uh, Sam Paniotovich about the week that was and the week ahead in the National Football League. Can you do me a favor? Come on. Yeah. Can we uh, can we send our quick list of topics over to Sammy P <laughs> on email? I forgot to do that. He likes to get a couple of heads up on what we're going to go into ahead of time. We we pull back the curtain because of my disorganization. So, that game last night, glass half full. They got the job done. Lakers? They Lakers are game the about? Raiders beating the Packers. They took advantage of Jordan Love's inability to play football, throw the ball, read the field. First of all, great interception to close out the game because that could have been a disaster. And we'll get into clock management and decisions. That could have been a Disaster had it not been for the leaping ability, and that was not an easy transition to turn and then jump. Robert Spillane called it the best interception he's ever seen. It was pretty crazy, and the replay really showed it. I mean, he looked like he had a 50-inch vertical, and uh, frankly, Love threw a bad ball. You can't throw that ball there. Well, he had, he, he had to throw it earlier, and if you watch... Who, uh, uh, who, who, uh, who was pursuing him on the, on the pressure? Uh, well, there was nobody that close. He, he was okay. actually fine, but I mean, the, the thing is... Uh, Receiver broke open early, yeah. and you can see Lafleur on the sideline just jumping up and down, like throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it. He's wide open, and he's waited too long. And by the time he finally threw it, uh, Meek Robertson was able to turn around and track it down and, and make the play on it. But yeah, it was. I mean that that was a touchdown, and Jordan Love waited too long, 
the Raiders allowed a touchdown on that play. Jordan Love waited too long to throw it, and they didn't uh, get Anamique, it. And Amik Robertson did his part to yep. make sure that the Give receiver did. my boy credit. No, he, he made, that's why I said he made a great play. But if the ball is someone is supposed to be thrown, or three seconds after the ball is supposed to be thrown instead of six, well, it's a touchdown. Maybe and it's on the coaching staff to stop assuming that this quarterback can do what the last quarterback did. And the same for the fans, and the same for some media members. We told you. What the great quarterbacks do in this league is next level. It is special. And I think when you watch a great quarterback, you're just like, hey, these guys never miss on throws. And then you watch the guys who are mid-level and bad quarterbacks, you're like, dude, outside, not in. It's a basic pass. Throw it earlier. But the, but the, the mid-level quarterbacks in the NFL, and especially the bad ones, don't see the game develop as fast as the great ones. And I know this sounds all like simple stuff, but it's a glaring difference when you watch guys like Jordan Love. And yep. maybe he'll get there. I don't. I still don't believe that game speed and anticipation can be worked on that much. I think you have it or you don't. Well, it's not a good sign for the Raiders. For who? I mean, that's that. That was the two biggest things with Aiden O'Connell, of course. So I mean, if if they well, I'm can't, not, be, I'm not eliminating if they him can't from this be comment. learned. I know what I'm saying. If they can't yeah. be learned, if they if they're just kind of innate and you have to have them or you don't. That's a real bad sign. I'm sure there's a lot of coaches who tell me I'm wrong, but I, I'm looking at a set of quarterbacks where you see it. It's, the game doesn't process as well, and they make throws where you're like, that dude, it's too late, or that's not the right ball placement. And uh, do you think Jordan Love's going to get there? I think he's got the, the talent. I mean, he showed it. Again, he's regressed. Like, the first couple starts, he was phenomenal. And you were like, okay, this is this is another I mean, smooth transition. The, and then the, he the, took a step back. Sorry. The margins in the NFL are so freaking small. Like yeah. he, when they were driving to get in position, he had a tight end open over the middle of the field, and he's 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 a little bit behind him. And like yeah. you know, at Utah State, maybe against you know, I, I watch UNLV play against him, and he probably threw a pass like that. I didn't even notice it because the pass was made, and someone gained sure you know fifteen yard jack. But you can get away with that in college. The NFL, you can't. Yeah, it's, to- it's to- totally true. And I mean, you see. The difference, differences between the quarterbacks that can and cannot, and you see them, you see it every week. You know, the funny thing on the clock management and the game management, I bet you Ooh. if we went back 30 and 40 years ago that the all-time uh, coaches were terrible at it too. Um, but we just didn't examine it like this. I don't know, man. This has been multiple weeks where we're watching Josh McDaniels, who, again, um, you've, you've got an offense here that doesn't really have any margin for error, and the defense is trying, right, trying to get better on the defensive line. Aside from Max Crosby, you – you can't leave points on the field. So where yeah. do you want to start here? Well, let's first, first of all, yes, but first of all, put it this way, like to your to that point, like the last five teams in the NFL that had five straight games scoring under twenty points to start the season were all zero and five. The Raiders have joined that group. And they're two and three. Coaching <laughs> defense. Touche. Oh, defense. defense. Okay, I thought you were going to throw it right back uh, in no, my face. Defense has been great. Josh made it possible. Defense has been great, yeah. and, and I, I mean, also schedule <laughs> that, that helps. Um, last night, I, I, you know, I, I would make the case that the Raiders did not win the game. The Packers lost it. I think that's pretty clear. I know the noise canceled score, which is a, a pretty, you know, advanced analytic metric, but the noise canceled score is fifteen fifteen. Like if that, if there has never, if there's ever been a game that was a tie game more than last night, it's it's tough to find it. Like that was a tie game. That neither team was better. They just at the end, the Raiders had more points on the scoreboard, so they won. So I don't think anybody's leaving that game. Max Crosby said it after the game too. He's like, that, he's like, that was not pretty. We're not gonna go. We're not gonna pretend like hey, everything's fixed. We won a game. Like that. That's not a pretty game. It's not a good effort. Well, it's not a pretty win. He should also say, I did that. That's true. 
He could've. Four tackles for a loss and a sack? He could have. He could have said that. Right? For sure. But, I mean, nobody's going to walk away and say, everything's fixed. They won. But they needed, at some point, to win a game. They won a game. Good for them. Could you please please explain what the noise canceled score is? Yeah, it, I mean, it would take a long, it would take a long, long time. But they take out like if if there's like a fluky play along the way somewhere, like you you have a play where it's like a pass that was tipped up in the air and somebody caught it, that kind of thing gets taken out. It really measures points per drive inside the red zone. It measures um, how many times you get to the red zone. It measures average starting field position and who won that battle, which by far was the Raiders yesterday. No question about that. Like It just takes all those other things out of it and then says what the score essentially would be with all the other factors kind of canceled out of a game. It's a, it's a very, very incredibly convoluted metric that is very much computer-based and not not really human human level based. Sounds like it doesn't measure heart. That's what I'm hearing. I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. It does not. Yes. That is not part of the equation. Well, for that's sure. the most important thing. For sure. Uh, Josh McDaniels before the half. Oof. Explain so the scenario. The the Packers do a short pass on a third third down play uh, inside their own twenty five, and got stopped with about a minute forty six left in the first half. It's not. Analytics, it's not advanced clock management. It's nothing in the world tells you other than common sense. You call timeout. I mean, every coach, when you say like coaches were bad at clock management a long time ago, even they knew to do that. Like, this is not we're a getting the ball thing. back. It's a chance to um, score. And middle eight minutes of the game are the most, some of the most important minutes. You got to maximize. Twitter was going nuts. The Mannings were going nuts on the Manning cast. I know that. I watched that back last night. Uh, even Troy Aikman apparently made, I didn't watch that broadcast, but apparently he made kind of a snarky comment about what is he doing. Um, a lot of people were weighing in on this. Is not, it's not like second guessing. This is in the moment. People are saying, what on earth are they doing? And there was one person in the press box, I won't say who it is, defending Josh McDaniel's decision. Um, I replied and said, uh, the only possible explanation that you could provide after the game, the only thing you could say is our offense sucks. Why would I call a timeout? And that's essentially what he said. I mean, he said you've got to take into consideration how much time you're going to give the other team back if you don't get a first down, which you're, that's how you're making decisions? You don't think you're going to get a first down? That's wild. But that's essentially what Josh McDaniel said. What if we don't get a first down? And then we have to give them the ball back. That's what he actually said? Yeah. Hmm. Who was the media person? Vic Taffer? Uh can't remember. Uh, so so <laughs> that was That was quite a laugh you listened sure. from Demon. Because sure. Demon knows who it is. Uh, so so yeah, I mean I, think I do too. In that situation, like, yeah, that's the only thing. Our offense sucks. I, I mean, what do yeah. you what do you want us to do about it? Our offense sucks. But in that case, you, your offense right. sucks. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't Right. There's no way around that. Right? I mean, so that's that's essentially the decision they made. They did it. And then, of course, they ran out of time on a drive that could have gotten a lot further. Then they had to kick a field goal from way too long, and it got blocked. Like, that's that's what happened. They needed more time on the clock. It was It's baffling. that the, Even if you don't think your offense is good, you've got to give them a chance. And they didn't. They let it run all the way down to a minute seven. By the time they got the ball, there's 55 seconds left. I feel like uh, the teams I follow, root for, cover oftentimes are mirror images of, of one another. So the Jets had a situation before the half where they ran out of time because they decided to throw with 14 seconds left. They did. 
on the 14-yard line. At least they, gained, they tried. They, they gained three but didn't throw it far enough towards the sideline sure. for the player to get out of bounds. They had a 31-yarder, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's throw. Right, we have, but, we have and, plenty of time. But to, to and then my, the quarterback and then the quarterbacks are like, well, okay, what's going on? Oh, no, no time left. Sorry. In that case, at least they tried. They did try. Failed execution. It's a little bit different than not trying. Yeah. In a game that was tight, back and forth, lots of field goals. Yeah. It, it was. It's it's still mystifying to me. Has anyone asked Josh if running the offense gets in the way sometimes? Well, he did make the make the case today about when he was an offensive coordinator, he would have said, "Go for it every single time on every scenario, all, never punt, never." And kick. now, now what? And now he's got to consider that he also runs the defense, he also runs the special teams, he also runs everything else, and so not that it gets in the way of the decision making, but it does change the way that he sees a game. Okay, uh, which is fair, and and I don't think he's saying it's it's too much, but he's saying like, look at. You know, an offensive coordinator just wants more plays and wants to go for it all the time, and that's my nature. But now I'm not that anymore. But I maybe he should get back to thinking that way. What was the other game management snafu? I don't. I mean, that was the most glaring. That was by far the most glaring. Okay. It, it, it actually, and I know there's a lot of people that when they listen to me and scream about analytics and other people talk about it, that you think always go for it. The decision to kick a field goal late in the game was actually pretty close to fifty fifty. Well, let's get into that a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, I saw the numbers on that one. That was pretty interesting. And we can recap it and actually set it up for the audience. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Offices in Reno and Henderson in Las Vegas. 766-1400 is the call from anywhere in the state number. you got to dial 775 in the north. Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, Raiders field goal yesterday towards the end of the game. Packers trying to put things, I guess technically, would it have put it away? What was the score at that point? They would have got up seven instead of four. Yeah, so they're up seven if they make the field goal. I saw the the numbers were like... It was eighty. Nine, I thought it was was it was eighty six and eighty four. Okay, but there wasn't there a punt in there as well. That was actually punt ahead, was, punt was, was ahead of was ahead goal. of field goal. So yeah. the options were where were they? Uh, thirty eight yard line. So thirty eight yard line, go for it, punt, field goal. Yeah, and the and, the order and, f- and field goal was last. Field goal was last, but it, they were all very very close. Thirty eight. Yeah, you would go for it. I would have probably gone for it. It was, but like I said, it was very close. And actually, up in the uh, up in the press box, you know, everybody's always like, "Oh, I'm sure you're going for it." And I was like, mm. "I haven't, I don't have the 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 number in front of me." But I was like, "I bet you it's incredibly. I bet you it's within one percent." It was actually about two, but I was like, "I don't think this is a very sure go for it situation." It wasn't fourth and one; it was fourth and two, which does make a big difference, absolutely, in that scenario. Um, and I, I thought it'd be very close, and it ended up, as you said, it, it was very close. It was all three were within like one percentage of each other, so it was right there. So it was it was not an easy decision to make. Um, I think it probably for Josh McDaniels, you look at it and say, we've got a kicker that never misses. He's awesome. Um, in fact, that was, he had missed one field goal in in Allegiant Stadium in his entire career. However, he can't make a field goal against the Packers, so that's Wait, I don't know what? how that gets weighed in. So. You know, people people might know the story of Daniel Carlson when he got drafted. His second game, he missed three field goals. 
that's why he was available for the Raiders, and he's never, really never missed since he came to the Raiders. Those three field goal misses were against the Packers. Now that was at Lambeau, which is a tough place to kick. Yeah. But now he is he is that's pretty incredible. horrific in his career against the Packers and almost perfect against everyone else. Do you did you get numbers? And I'm sorry I'm putting you on the spot here. What were the numbers on first contact that Josh Jacobs met? Oh, I didn't I didn't look that up. They today. have that number, right? They do, yeah. My yeah. God, I thought well, I he, thought there were been, I thought there were a ton of carries where I'm like, woof. Going they're into, on he hasn't even gotten two steps. Well, going into last week, he was averaging uh, I think it was negative one point two yards per, per before contact per carry. Which means he was getting contacted more than a yard behind the line of scrimmage every single carry. So think about this. Couple your running back getting hit behind the line and then your quarterback's uh what distance in the air at one point last night it was three point seven yards. Not great. I mean that's kind of a tight zone to kind of to be working in. And Garoppolo couldn't he he couldn't have improved much beyond that because what their longest completion was twenty one yards, and I think that was yeah. a catch and run by Devontae Adams. Yeah. I mean no no question. This is crazy. They've got to find a way to stretch the field and back the defense off the freaking line. They do. They, Josh they Jacobs last night, and he still got he got sixty nine yards, nineteen carries. She's not good, but it, but when you're coming in, when your average freaking first shot is negative one point two yards, this is crazy. I do want to defend Josh McDaniels on the play to set up the field goal that that was missed, right? Who saw an Amir Abdullah run coming? I thought it was a first down for sure. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> thought he went deep into the bag of tricks? Yeah, that was, no one's going to see this coming. To see if he just doesn't run the ball. as long as Amir Abdullah territory. Yeah, but for him to get the run? It was good. I like, I like it. it uh, by the way, I I meant to text you, but I knew you were working during the game. Did they? What was the trick play they tried last night? Oh, they uh, they, th- Jacobs. they threw it out to Jacobs. He was supposed to throw back. By the way, best decision made made by any quarterback last night was Josh. Josh Jacobs, yeah, yeah. just going down. now. It would. He actually, he could have, he could have really made a big play, but it would have been incredibly risky because what it was was a a toss out to the right. Jacobs was going to throw all the way back across the field, like fifty yards, <laughs> to Garoppolo, yeah. to then throw deep, and. The 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 corner on that side of the field, the far side, recognized it, came off it, and went to get Garoppolo. Oh wow! Which left a receiver wide open. So Jacobs turned, looked to Garoppolo, and he's like, "I can't make this throw. It's covered." But that, in his mind, should have said, "Oh yeah, that means nobody's covering the other guy." So he could have thrown it there, but that would have been a lot to ask out of a running back. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, here we go. Let's bring in Sam Paniotovich. Sammy, what's going on? I have three NFL teams that have not covered a single game this year. How many can you guess? Zero. <laughs> Come on, give me something. I got nothing. What do you what do you got? All right, well, that was as anticlimactic as it gets. Uh, Let's go Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers are both 0-4-1, and the New York football Giants are 0-5 against the number. uh, That's not good, Sam. Well, I mean, in how many games are they going to win this year? I, I love playing this game through about five weeks now. We get the adjusted win totals. For example, you can now 
make a bet on a new fixed number. And the Las Vegas Raiders win total is basically right back where it started. It's seven and a half. But the New York football Giants win total right now is down to four and a half. Ugh. Do you like a side on that? Nah, not going to do anything there. I, I think the one bet that I'm still thinking about making is that Patriot under, though, at five and a half, because for the first time since I've watched Bill Belichick as a head coach, that team looks like it's quit. And two of the worst losses of his career back-to-back, I think they were outscored 72-3, to benching the quarterback twice, two best defenders are hurt. It's it's a weird, weird situation in New England. And and now, you know, the, the fan base wants them to fire Belichick, which will never happen, I don't think, in season. But there are a lot of teams that, that just look a lot worse than we thought. The Patriots and Giants are right there on the team photo. That's what I was going to ask you. You don't, th- you don't think there's any chance, no matter how bad it got, that they would do it, they would just let it play out and maybe do it after the season? Or would they even fire him at all? Would they make him walk away at some point? I don't know. I mean, if, if he was to start bashing ownership, that's always <laughs> the the great elixir. If you come out and start saying bad things about Robert Kraft or Jonathan Kraft, then, yeah, maybe it's it's a very small possibility. But Bill doesn't say anything anyways. Right. I mean, they're asking Bill, you know, what does it take to get back in the win column? What will it take for this team to make the playoffs? And his response is, well, I, I mean, I, I'm worried about Vegas. So he he never yeah. says anything anyway. So uh, if he starts incriminating himself now at age 71, yeah, maybe you give him the heave-ho. But a six-time Super Bowl champion in New England, you're going to just fire him midseason? That, that doesn't seem like it's the uh, the right thing to do optically. I know you're, you're close to them, and so there's a lot of interest, of course, in the Patriots this week uh, for a multitude of reasons, mainly being that they are playing the Raiders. Is it fixable at all? To New England? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, their offensive line is in shambles. They have no receivers. They can't run the football, which is the first time in a long time we've been able to say that about New England. They don't have great sack getters on defense. Matthew Judon's out for six to seven more weeks. There's no pro bowlers on the entire defense. And... <laughs> You know, this is a team that has really been in control of so many games in the last two decades. But you look at these games, Adam, I mean, they're not in really any of them, aside from the game that Bill was able to solve Zach Wilson in one of his first starts of the season. I mean, they're down big in these games. They're down 20 to nothing to the Eagles. They're down big to the Dolphins, I think 17 nothing at half. They're, they lose to the Cowboys 38-3, to shut out to the Saints 34-0. And, and here's the scary part. As betters, we usually give people the benefit of the doubt that have been very successful. I know a lot of people last year in the playoff game, well, you got to bet Brady in the playoffs. <clears throat> got to bet LeBron in the NBA playoffs. <clears throat> got to bet Belichick because Belichick will figure it out. <clears throat> it's just sometimes when these things get so far past – the the what's it called like the I don't even know what I'm looking for word wise it's like they get past that point of the horizon like the sun has already set yet we still bet them because they've done so well for so long and, and sometimes psychologically that's hard for a better to not bet Belichick oh Belichick's getting three points against his former assistant gotta bet Belichick well dude they suck right now and we haven't said that about the Patriots in 20 years so is this number sitting at three? Is it just a bad number that people should be loading up on the Raiders? I – good question. 
I'm starting to see it get expensive in Vegas too. Like Circa moved to minus three, minus fifteen. Yep. Uh, some books offshore moving to three minus twenty. So if you can find, there are a couple shops right now. Superbook and South Point have minus three flat. One ten wins a hundred. Yeah, I, I think this might actually run to three and a half. I, I don't know that it's going to get to four, but it's wild. The look ahead number. Let's put it this way: the look ahead number before the season in this game was a pick'em. Now I've upgraded the Raiders two points. I've downgraded the Patriots four points. So that would say that off my preseason number, I've made a six-point adjustment. The sports books have only made a three-point adjustment. Mm. But as we know, the anatomy of a number, like you, you could never open Vegas minus six. Everybody would bet the Patriots. I think this three is going to get pretty decent two-way. I think the wise guys have shown they're going to lay three minus one ten. But I, I have a huge adjustment, and I know Steve, you sent me the email. Uh, with Kenny White's newest power ratings. He updates them every week. He's got the Patriots tied for 29th right well, now. Hey, Sam, let me jump in because that was actually last week. I was going to ask you, should the Patriots actually be 32? And then I wanted to get to the top of the rankings because it was the Bills. But on this one, are the Patriots actually overrated by Kenny at 29? Well, actually, yeah, let me see. So let me click his newest ratings uh, the new sheet, he has San Francisco 1, Buffalo 2, Kansas City 3, Philadelphia 4, Miami 5. On the bottom, you got Arizona 32, New York Giants 31, Chicago Bears 30, and uh, New England 29. So uh, he did move uh, – he did change something from last week to this week. But still, the Patriots, a bottom four power-rated team in the NFL, and and, man, I mean, the talent there is so bad. So Kenny's got – let's see. He's got the Raiders at oh, – he didn't have the Raiders much higher. He's got the Raiders at 97 and the Patriots at 95. That's on a neutral. So on a neutral, Las Vegas should be a two-point favorite. You would think there's a little home field there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe the three is a little cheap. Uh, I just want to go back and, you know, not to belabor this game, but we can uh, – did you say you've upgraded the Raiders two points? Is that just because you were so down on them? Because I haven't seen anything to upgrade them on. I upgraded them two points because I liked what Garoppolo did um, in, in the limited starts. We've seen him at full strength. I think this offense is maybe better than people think. Um, again, that two points isn't a big increase. And I, and I was, I was, Let's say this. I was down on them heading into the year. I thought this was a five-win team. So, you know, perceptionally – you have to make the right changes. If you're too low on a team, you have to move them up. But it's not like, you know, let, let's put it this way. A team like the Detroit Lions, I've upgraded about six. A team like Seattle, I've upgraded eight. A team like Chicago, I dropped five. So two, you know, one, two points isn't that big of a deal. But I, I was, I was, I think, just a little too low on the Raiders coming in and Look, they they get defensive stops when they want to. Sometimes, I guess. I mean, the Max Crosby's pretty good. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I think the Raiders. I mean, they're still an average team. They're not gonna they're not gonna win a Super Bowl anytime soon. But yeah, I, I was I was a little wrong about how good they'd be. I thought they'd be a five win team. Sam Paniatovich is with us. Uh, I got one more thing on the Patriots because I want to develop this, and I think it is going to be a conversation pretty soon. Um, on the subject of the top pick and Caleb Williams, what? sweet justice it would be for the rest of the NFL fans to hear Caleb Williams and his dad say, you know what, if the Patriots are the number one pick with all the tumult in the organization and the fact that Bill Belichick is not going to leave for a couple of years, we're going back to USC. We don't want to go to New England. It's a bad organization right now. 
Ooh, I would think he would take the the Eli Manning route where he yep. just says, I'm not going to play for you, and then they essentially his camp forces a trade. Remember, right. Eli, I believe, was was like the number one prospect on the board for San Diego, but Eli said, I'm not, not going to play in San Diego, and that I think that was the Eli Manning Philip Rivers flip flop at the top of the draft. I'm so glad you're bringing so, this up. Yeah, but here's the here's the thing that changes the conversation though, Steve, because now you have NIL. And a guy like Caleb Williams, let's say he wins another Heisman trophy, he'd be the second two time winner ever. How much does he make playing at USC next year? Yep. You know, the possibilities are a lot more, I guess, you know, financially pleasing than they were when Eli and uh and Rivers were coming into school. But you know, New England is still going to find a way. Like, I, I don't think New England's bad enough to be three and fourteen because there are still some young quarterbacks on the schedule. You see Sam Howell at home. You get Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew at home. You get Kenny Pickett. Mm. You get Zach Wilson again. You get whoever's starting in Denver in Week Fifteen. Yeah. So there are still some games. I, I think they're going to be in that position though where they don't get one or two. So they'll miss out on Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, and then they'll, you know, if it were up to Bill, he'd take a, a left tackle or something like that. Sam Paniotovich is up on Cofield and Company from Nesson, from Fox Sports. Uh, chicken dinner, some hockey futures. I know you talked to Alex Smith. I see some uh, cracking pops here. The season is here, and Seattle's in town in Vegas. Did you guys come up with, or did Alex have some really good future bets on the NHL? He really likes Seattle this year. I think for him, it's more about the number. You know, you ask a guy like that who's very good at handicapping hockey, what what do you like for the Stanley Cup portfolio? And, you know, it's easy for somebody to just, you know, wax poetic about Carolina, New Jersey, you know, Colorado, Vegas, the Rangers. But those prices aren't going to go that much shorter in the next two to three weeks. I, Carolina maybe goes from eight to seven or the, the Knights go from 12 to 10, but Seattle, you could find Seattle as high as 50 to one. And I think those of you listening in Vegas right now understand that the NHL really did a great job of putting these expansion teams ahead of the eight ball, not behind the eight ball. I mean, damn, how good were the Knights in year number one or the Kraken were pretty decent in year one last season, the Kraken knocked out the Avalanche, took the Dallas Stars to Game 7, and, and they got better in the offseason. So if you're looking for a team right now, let's get outside the top eight teams in the NHL. The Seattle Kraken, at the right price, 50, 45 to 1, if they can start with, I don't know, eight wins and 13 games or something like that, all of a sudden that 50 to 1 becomes 22 to 1, and then you can bet other stuff. So that's – that's sort of his best bet future-wise because he thinks that's a team that the market is down on and they can get hot early in the season, at which point that 50-1 to 1 is long, long gone. Last uh, minute or so, Sam, USC and Notre Dame looking ahead in college football. Irish are two and a half. I can't, I can't bet Notre Dame. They haven't won a big game since Lou Holtz was on the sideline, boys. I just can't do it. I mean, they, they, they choke – in the biggest games, and they have for 30 years. When was the last time Notre Dame was actually national title good? And don't give me 2012 because that was a fluke season and they lost in the national title game by a million points to Alabama. I can't bet Notre Dame in a big game. I just can't. Maybe that's lazy, but that's how I feel, man. 
Sam, we appreciate it. Sorry for the rough start. Thanks for being back on the show. We'll talk to you next week. All righty. See you. <laughs> there he is. I don't know if he cut out there at the end or what was going on. But uh, by the way, the bartender, which uh, really is a great bit. Um, either way, I mean, whatever it is, it's hitting at freaking 41% losers. Uh, and he went 0-4. So you got to check Twitter and go to SP Shoot. And essentially, anytime he says the bartender's making a pick, it's kind of the the average guy, the square guy, and he loves this pick. And then it usually turns into a disaster. As it usually does when you get picks from just average people. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll have to build on that on the way back. Okay. Yeah. Ripping, the, ripping the squares. Ripping when the some, no, when somebody is like over-insistent that this is a definite winner – it almost never. It wins. depends on who it is, yeah. right? Yeah, we have some people here who work at the radio station. If they are betters and I hear them saying they love a game, go the other way. Fade them.